can spit at you from here. What are you doing with your face? That's free speech. Nerd, you're wrong. Oh! That is some bad philosophy. Come on. Bad Philosophy, episode 12, recorded on November 21st, 2008. Close enough for brains and vats. Hello, everyone. Welcome and one to Bad Philosophy, coming at you from the DMS Digital Media Studio in the library at Texas Tech University. This is um, we're apparently we're here illegally. We are here <laughs> illegally. So, so here's the deal. I want to do a little backstory on this. Um, we did have the room uh, reserved. We talked with the proper authorities and uh, made sure it was it was all good with them that they uh, that we could use this room. And um, about mm, ten minutes ago, they decided to tell us. Oh yeah, y'all! Uh, y'all actually didn't get proper authorization for this. Well, uh, we're going to be in here anyway <laughs> uh, for for as long as they let us remain. Um, they said they might be moving the chairs we're sitting in out. So, um, if you're watching us on Stickam, which uh, apparently you're not, um, Kevin, you, could you do me a big favor right now? I probably could. Okay, could you get up, uh, go to StickM on there, and start recording this episode on StickM? Uh, because we'd all like you to be able to see this afterwards. Because obviously you're too busy to uh, be watching us right now. So, are we good? We're good. We're good. We're live. Um. As you can see, or uh, possibly hear, the uh, audio situation is a little bit different today. Um, this is, none of this matters. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> it, well, we got a, we got our mixer in, and uh, and honestly, it's it's been working okay. Uh, we had a little bit of a problem with Kevin's headset. Apparently, it, it does not function. And, and really, you, you can you can probably take the headset off now, Kevin. Like you, I'm aware of this fact. I'm aware that I can. It's it's a good look for you, though. It is. Um, so that, that voice that just chimed in there was Dr. Mark Webb. <laughs> he's, Hello, with us. he's with us once again. Uh, very, very good to have him here today. And uh, Good to be here. Uh, worthy man for a worthy topic, actually. Um, we'll before, see about we'll, that. We'll see about that. Uh, I just want to say, if any of y'all are wondering why uh, Matt, Matt Legler, the Legmar, is not here. We are too. Um, we are too. Uh, apparently, he uh, decided to up and go back to Austin because he can do that and decided to abandon us at the last minute and uh, deprive us of one of the headsets that we were going to use for the recording today. <sighs> we love you, Matt. We really do. Uh, but anyways, yes, topic. Um, I'll just go ahead and throw it out there. Is man unnatural? Mm-hmm. I'm stroking Gosh. my chin with anticipation. Um, <laughs> yes, and I, I, you have to say, Kevin came up with this topic, so I might uh, I might shoot it over to him to see exactly what he was thinking when he came up with that. Well, well, my thought, and I talked to you about this a little bit earlier, uh, and he had a different thought when I when I posed the question, which I appreciate. Um, but these things start to itch. Sorry. Um, my question was, I've, I've been in a class recently that has been dealing with um, man's place in the environment, um, a lot of environmental things have been going on recently. We've seen a lot of companies trying to go green, or at least greenwashing themselves to make it look like they've gone green. <laughs> mm. um, and, and there's you know, this, big, this big question of, well, you know, we have to protect the environment, we can't change things, we can't um, 
you know, it, it's unnatural that man man does all these things. He puts up buildings. He makes he makes huts. He makes skyscrapers. Uh, he puts things in the ground. Um, that nature didn't put these things there. We did. But one could argue, and and this is kind of where the question came from. Although Stephen had a very different take on it, was that you know, well, we have not really had any outside influences, or at least detectable outside influences. Outside of this this planet, this biosphere that we live on, the sphere that is biomass. Mm-hmm. Um, so where I mean, if if it's unnatural, where does the outside influence come from? Where you know, man naturally got smarter, built things, mm-hmm. protected himself, and found better and better ways of doing so. We we've kind of become the uh, the predominant uh, life form on this planet. I mean, literally, we have become <laughs> the the controlling life form. I, I mean, saw some whales. We're we're still. Uh, <laughs> We're still relatively at the whims of weather and such, but as far as species go, um, in groups, we have the ability to basically exert our will over any and all species that might oppose us. Um, we're the only species that can talk. We're the only species that has uh, philosophy, um, <laughs> language, of course, uh, you know, books, history, you know, war, um, all these things, and, and it seems it's it's a you're aware, question. of course, I mean, that for each one of these, somebody can come up with a potential counterexample. Maybe dolphins really? talk. Maybe ants go to war. But you know, we've got the whole package. So we got we got we, we can do. talk we, and go to war. We have right. it all. Show me a dolphin or an ant that can do that. We <laughs> <laughs> um, so often do them simultaneously. <laughs> Now, granted, we can't lift like four times our body mass with our teeth, but <laughs> wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be cool? I'd be excited. I'd, uh, I'd I don't be know. Lifting things with my teeth all over the place. <laughs> it's like Kevin, can you move this table? Sure. <laughs> it's like thank you. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I see. I see your point, Doctor Webb. I mean, really, yeah. You could say that some other species do, but. Really, I mean, you're looking at it from from just a surface level perspective, we are the dominant species on this planet. Why well, don't and for the first time? I mean, really, there hasn't been an intelligent species on this planet before that we know of that's built civilizations, uh, buildings that's that's you know sentient and and grouping in the same way that we are. Uh, we're really the first. Yeah, opposable does, does thumbs that, and big brains. That's a, that's yeah, a good combination. Both of those things. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good combination and. Um, we have, as a result, sort of um, let our you know, life and and uh, dominance take uh, precedence over over the natural environment, and uh, you know, to to a certain extent, like we we realize that there are things we probably will never be able to change, like the weather, uh, like the fact that two thirds of the Earth's surface is covered in water that we can never populate. Uh, but there, there are things boats. that we do have a really lot of influence boats. over. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, so it's like that whole Saudi Arabian thing of uh, you know creating like a, a mass, a little uh, world map in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so little islands. I don't, don't say we can't do it because there's people who will try. There are people, especially if you say we can't do it. Yeah. That's, that's sort of the human nature. But uh, to your counterexamples, if you know, you know, dolphins have language, ants have war. That would almost be, in my opinion. Potentially further evidence that these things are natural occurrences, mm-hmm. um, that our dominance comes out of these natural things. You know, animals do communicate through various methodologies, and perhaps language used a further enhancement of that. And ants do, you know, fight each other. Animals fight each other. Okay. Um, Is a beaver dam natural? Uh, I think yeah, so. That's, yeah, see, that's, that's, that's a relative. See, that's, a, that's a, an anthill. Yeah, know, maybe uh-huh. that's just a difference in kind, uh, difference in degree between what we do and what they do. So. Uh-huh. 
So uh, we if, well we do it to an extreme. I mean we yeah. you know our 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 ant hills are cities. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess yep. I guess from from perhaps uh, a biological standpoint, yeah, it's, it's it's an extension of that sort of constructive uh, instinct among lower life forms. Well, I say lower. That's that's a that's a medieval convention. Well, I'm taller than it? most of them. Yeah, <laughs> yes, they are the ones I encounter on a regular basis. Yeah. I don't we, know. We are big beasts. I mean, we are much bigger than average. Yeah. And the elephants freak us yeah, out. Yeah, elephants and, 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 you know, hippopotami, which are freaky. Yeah. You most know, most now, of them are on the shrew side. Now that you'll bring that up, I just want to bring up something random because it's bad philosophy and that's what we do. Um, <laughs> I saw an article two days ago that um, scientists have successfully sequenced the mammoth genome. Yeah. The, the woolly mammoth genome. And uh, they still say that they've got a long way to go. There's, like... A, large percentage of it that they're still not sure is correct, but they say they're moving toward the day when they might be able to do a Jurassic Park sort of thing and yeah. impregnate an elephant with mammoth DNA, and we could have woolly mammoths I've walking around excited. again. I, I was extremely excited <laughs> by cool. that. Um, because it, it's sort of like, you know, this this resurrecting a species that no living human, no nobody in the last 100,000 years has seen, uh, yeah. is just... Exciting. I hope they're um, purple. <laughs> you hope they turn out to be very different from what we. Well, thought. no, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we're pretty close. I, I trust yeah. the scientists that have done their research, but yeah. you know, for some reason, I think it would be awesome if if we found out that their natural coloring, for for whatever genetic reason, was purple. Especially <laughs> if they were striped or something. Oh, too, that would right? be fantastic. Well, stripes yeah. occur naturally. We have they zebras do. and things. That's we right. could have striped mammoths. Sure. <laughs> it's unlikely, but well, certainly possible. Yeah. Zebras are unlikely, <laughs> but so, yeah. so it kind of got me thinking yeah, about what isn't unlikely. Um, hydrogen. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah that's, that's fairly likely. <laughs> M- matter, antimatter. Uh, matter is more like is shouldn't be more likely than antimatter, antimatter but, but it seems to be. But it is. I've noticed a lot more matter in my life. Yeah, I, I, I've, <laughs> never, run thing, in, I've never run into antimatter, and I mean, I'm pretty sure anyone who has is not around to tell the tale. <laughs> right. So, so we've got a kind of anthropic principle going. <laughs> yeah, exactly, we do. Um, and I, ha- I have to say, like the, the whole woolly mammoth thing got me thinking. Like, gosh, okay, that was an expe- a species that went extinct. By for natural reasons, um, you know, you you could say it was it was Darwinism at work. It was evolution doing its job. The woolly mammoth didn't have what it takes to survive here on Earth, and it died out. Now, are we doing something unnatural by bringing it back? Well, you know, I think that's kind of a uh, a mis uh, misapplication of the idea of natural selection. Really, it's not like things die out because they didn't make the cut. Nine times out of ten. 99 times out of 100, things die out because of some accident that overwhelmed them and could just as well have overwhelmed some other species, too. Mm, okay. So, I mean, it's, there's a sense in which they didn't make the cut, but yeah, it's, it's not like uh, they were unworthy somehow. Ah, <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, I mean, even the dinosaurs, nothing... like anything, an asteroid would have got rid of it, whatever the dominant thing was then. Sure. And, and it's actually thanks to the fact that the dinosaurs got wiped out that we're even sitting here today. Yeah. Because um, yep. it allowed mammals That's, to thrive and yeah, such. Yeah, the dinosaurs had stayed around, the biggest mammal would probably still be a little tree shrew. Well, there's, there's people yeah. who think they're still around. I saw a thing where someone was, was pretty convinced that they were just hiding in the jungles. That's unlikely. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think we got another I'm, unlikely thing there. Uh, yeah, that, that is, it, just, it, it surprised me that someone, that someone said this. Another, another thing I've heard was they're in caves. 
but or, or inside the hollow unlikely. earth or, uh, yeah, 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 yeah but you know in, in Antarctica where we haven't explored it's a theory mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a, not yeah. a good theory but it's a theory <laughs> <laughs> yes indeed yeah. um, well so I was thinking then okay there's nothing intrinsic about the world as it is now that, that would prevent a woolly mammoth from living and, and possibly thriving yes, yeah, um, there's probably uh, what you call them uh, ecosystems where they could Hang out, sure. Um, like zoos. Now, zoos would be a great place for them to hang out. I, you know, I think uh, they would be the most profitable zoos in centuries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, sort of like, and and I mean, I never thought I'd see the day when the whole Jurassic Park idea might actually come about. But we're getting there, and and, and these scientists think we're yeah. maybe only a generation or two away from seeing it happen. Yeah, once um, they figure out whatever it is, whatever the little technical things are that are screwing up cloning. Than you know, denucleating an ovum and and putting DNA from somewhere else in it, piece of cake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the theory is pretty sound. Yeah, it's just a matter. Of it's it's not one of those things cakes. that like there's there's some fundamental uh, physical truth that prevents it, yeah. which mm-hmm. which is nice. I mean, it's always good to have that potential sitting there waiting mm-hmm. for you. But um, back to the whole subject of humanity, though, um, would it? Is it is it also sort sort of a reverse fluke that maybe we have gotten to be as successful as we are? Are we one of those those accidents of nature that didn't cause an extinction but caused perhaps an overpopulation of a certain species? Yeah, I think technology, in fact, is a different is a is a change of a different order, mm-hmm. right? and that protects us from a lot of things that would have been trouble for us and were trouble for us before technology. So disease is not as big a problem as it once was. Um, we can protect ourselves against famine uh, you know, the, because of agriculture, mm-hmm. um, and heck, you know, we, we could pr- uh, probably in the not too distant future even you know go live in other planets. So if something happens to this one, we're not wiped out. Uh, so uh, it's not just a matter of our biological endowments, which are pretty cool. Uh, but you know, once we started making spears, uh, it was all. I think spears that was the plows. beginning of it for us. We, okay. were, we were destined to take over the planet. Then. So it's sort of like our our intelligence, um, our, our advanced level of intelligence, is really what kind of rocketed us and, and placed us far above everything else. And the thumbs, don't forget the thumbs. Oh, and thumbs. the opposable thumbs. <laughs> because you know, but dolphins certainly... can be as smart as you like, but they can't fire. <laughs> yeah, they can't no. make tools. <laughs> Let's see a dolphin throw a spear. <laughs> You know, it's actually funny that that reminds me of um of the the actually the book that accompanied uh, Star Trek Four, or yeah, Star Trek Four. That was the one with the whales. The one with the yeah, whales. Uh, course, yeah. uh, and you always have to say that. You know, it's not it's not Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. It's Star, it's Star Trek, Trek with the whales. With Star the Trek Four: The one with the whales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and where where Scotty talks into the computer mouse. Computer. <laughs> yeah. Hello, computer. computer. Oh, How yeah. quaint. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all saw, y'all saw the trailer for the new Star Trek movie, right? Yes, I have not. Oh, it's uh, it looks like popcorn action flick. Yeah, it looks like a movie that J.J. Uh, Abrams would, would have made. Yep, and which he did. So you know, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> so, so which uh, which set of people's going to be in it? It's uh, the, the original series cast. Well, it's the original series characters. The characters, yeah. Oh, it's a prequel. Sort it's of a thing. prequel. I remember now. Yeah, yeah. it's a prequel. With, uh, uh, Simon Pegg plays Scotty. Yeah, <laughs> which really doesn't seem right to me. But yeah, that guy uh, from Harold and Kumar plays uh, Sulu. Sulu. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> the the guy who plays Siler from Heroes is Spock. Mr. Spock. Um, 
I think that works. That works. No, that's that's the best casting. I've he seen doesn't so have far. the right voice. His voice is not deep enough to be. Like uh, I'm, I can li- I can live without the voice. It's it's one of those things where it's it's the well, characterization. Didn't yeah. You, didn't you know that Vulcans only their voice deepens after they turn like ninety? <laughs> so before that, you know, we're all right. We're all good. Yeah. yeah. Um, one, thing, no, it, mm-hmm. one thing that bothered me with the trailer, and this is yeah, super nerd. Um, <laughs> they show, and it's indicated that it's probably the Enterprise being built in on, the trailer on the surface, on the surface of the Earth, which it was didn't not happen. No, it was built I mean, in there's space. One stock, thing, there's just one like, thing to take a few liberties, but there's some strictly canon stuff that yeah, yeah. For, for us Trekkers is relatively common knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they pretty much botched that. But I have a feeling we'll get a lot more of those um, inconsistencies <laughs> once the film actually comes out. Um, and and I, I'm, I'm looking forward, it, forward to it as sort of a, um, sort of a fun, here's a what if, uh, maybe an alternate reality Star Trek <laughs> universe uh, sort of a thing. Um, but not... not Nearly on the same level as as the established canon. Uh, Maybe at the end of the movie, it'll turn out to have all been a dream. Oh yeah, see, I would work with that. I would work with that. Or a holographic simulation, a quad enterprise. Enterprise. Uh, Spoiler alert! <laughs> Sorry, um, but but what I was going at the with, the, with the whole whales thing, uh, Star Trek Four, in in the book I read that is supposed to accompany the movie. The explanation for how the whales were actually able to build an interstellar spacecraft um, is that <laughs> they I did not. Wondered. <laughs> I was wondered about that too. Um, they talked about the opposable thumbs thing because I mean, you know, whales, no matter how intelligent they are, will never be able to build anything yes, until yeah. they get. Um, Thumbs. Uh, so I don't want to watch out. <laughs> what actually they did is is the whales developed a sort of telekinesis, um, so they were able to move things with their you know tiny whale minds. Of course, there's still the problem of you know forging metal underwater and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. it's tricky. <laughs> it's tricky. I, but well, they so, also developed pyrokinesis. Yeah, there you <laughs> yes, I see magic. Gotcha. Yeah. Magic. A wizard did it. <laughs> <laughs> a whale wizard had a big pointy hat okay, coming to World of Warcraft next month <laughs> I want to play one of those oh, yeah man screw the shaman oh, a whale wizard yeah um, so but it got me thinking like well okay what if, what if say dolphins developed that sort of ability telekinesis you know a hundred thousand years from now or whatever could we have you know this this war between the the remnants of human civilization if we're still around and the intelligent dolphin civilization <laughs> or maybe we could coexist yeah uh, uh, you know the, the guy who uh, uh, Carol uh, I, I think it's pronounced Chapek the guy who coined the word robot mm-hmm. in the play RUR Rossum's Universal Robots he also wrote a book called War with the Newts which is precisely that kind of scenario <laughs> we discover that there's a seed dwelling uh, species that's intelligent and technological, and we piss them off, and, they, <laughs> and we end up at war. Like we do, <laughs> right? Yeah. We tend to, yeah, we that's, tend a, to that's do. another human trait. <laughs> we, we tend it's to a great it. book. It's a sort of a satire, but uh, war with the newts. I was because what, what that reminded me of was a, a different book um, called Star Tide Rising by David Brin. Mm. Um, it's part of what's called the Uplift Saga. I've not finished it, as I have not finished many books in my life. Um, <laughs> Let it go. Guilt is not going to help you here. <laughs> the premise, however, is that um, 
not for the book, but like the kind of the world is that uh, humans genetically engineered dolphins to a point where they could they could do things like create things. Um, they were still dolphins. I think they were called neo dolphins or something. Yeah. But it turned out they were actually smarter than us. And <laughs> so, like it, the book takes place in this in this ship um, that has crashed on a. On a mostly water-based planet that is the ship is actually like the hierarchy of the ship you've got like the captain is a dolphin the first you know first mate is a dolphin and like three people down you've got the first human crew <laughs> um, and stuff like this they're yeah. strong but they're not very bright um, yeah. and, and the, the ship is actually is filled with what is, is oxy water it's uh, water that, that humans can breathe um, that's pretty cool a oh, wizard did it yeah, wizard yeah. did it um, <laughs> for, for the sake of argument um, but like it was like the humans had to adapt to fit into the to what the dolphins created because they were better than us yeah. <laughs> dang we ought to just Hand over the keys if that happens. I think. Yeah. I'm okay with you that. Know what? You know? We had our time. We had a good run. <laughs> You're in charge now. See and if so you can keep from screwing up. <laughs> and, and I always think about that. Like, is the the whole possibility of a more intelligent species coming to this planet? You know, vastly more intelligent species. And it's you know, it's the realm of speculative fiction. Mm-hmm. But we kind of you know, there's nothing. There's nothing again. Nothing in the universe that is. Uh, antithetical to that, or, or you know, that, nothing that would prevent that sort of occurrence yeah. um, of, of you know an, an interstellar species that uh, you know, happened to discover some new physics that we haven't quite figured out yet shows up on our doorstep one day and goes, "We're a hell of a lot smarter than y'all, and we want your planet." Um, <laughs> Or we don't like you existing. Uh, you know, well, our our religion prevents us from allowing any other species. If to Hollywood exist. has told us anything, is that the humans have become enslaved for a few hundred years, and then have and a, then have a major uprising um, that showed that our human tenacity is stronger than their intelligence, right. and then bury the Stargate, or and then whatever. bury the Stargate. Yeah, and then <laughs> <laughs> Precisely, um, and I, I know it's kind of cliche. You got pretty much the, the plot of every Hollywood motion picture thing. But what if, what if it was the other way? I mean, what if this species actually succeeded in completely wiping us from the face of the planet? Uh, that would suck for us. Yeah. Suck. I wouldn't that, be too happy about that. That, would, that, that much. would really suck. And, it, and it's it's sort of the same thing that. But but then we have to we have to take a step back and think well. Aren't we kind of doing that to the species on this planet? Sucks for them. Yeah. Well, yep. you say sucks for them, but um, you know, is there <laughs> is there does. anything is there anything that maybe we should you know because we're human because we we have this sentience is there is there any responsibility involved in in our uh, approach to other species on this planet? I mean, do we have an obligation to to do unto them as we would have a vastly more intelligent species do unto us? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not sure what obligations we have to species, but it seems clear to me that we have obligations to individuals. Okay. That every individual animal that can suffer, we have an obligation to try not to contribute to its suffering. So you think you think pain though is is a prerequisite for for such a such a well not just pain okay. in the sense of you know the, the 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 physical sensation of pain, but any any kind of unpleasantness. Hmm. So if they're capable of fear, say or. Uh, Anxiety or uh, depression, even uh, we shouldn't cause those either. Hmm. I fed a stray cat last night. Good for you. <laughs> you prolonged his, <laughs> prolong his suffering. Well done. <laughs> hey, it's been living outside of our apartment for like two years now. Cats uh, are like pretty damn clever at surviving. Yeah, no, I'm, like there's two, three of them, and, and we let one of them in last night and gave it a hot dog. It enjoyed it. I'll wow. bet. <laughs> you got a friend now. Yes. <laughs> got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. Toy Story 3 has been planned. Oh, yes. Um, 
No, there's no natural acts. I thought Pixar had given up sequels, honestly, uh, but. How many Shreks have there been? Jeez. Well, that was that was DreamWorks. You know, I, I wrote, DreamWorks will milk that cash cow till it dies. I, <laughs> I wrote an article about this. It was, it was actually before I became an opinion columnist for the Daily Torridor and was the writing sample that I submitted. And my my premise was basically that Pixar is better than DreamWorks because Pixar does original films, and um, <laughs> you know they're going out and doing this now and it completely nullifies my argument <laughs> because uh, I, I'd seen that I was like okay how many how many Shrek movies do we need how, you know how many how many uh, you know, Madagascar movies do we yeah, need yeah. Um, how, how many of, of any of these other series that they've done and, and I'm not saying DreamWorks has done, just does completely bad movies um, I think Shrek 1 was, was pretty good and, and um, Over the Hedge was brilliant I thought the excellent social commentary on modern uh, suburban America but that's I not the norm. Was not <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was also a social commentary on modern urban America. It, it was it was buried in there. Um, you had to you had to kind of look for it. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't buried too deep. <laughs> <I'll have> to <laughs> say. <laughs> but uh, Pixar just just in my opinion has put out more consistently better films. Um, mm. You know, yeah. and, and original films. You know, pushing boundaries. Uh, you the, know, the Wally. That I've seen with Pixar is that they will, with the exception of the Toy Story sequels. Yeah. Um, Spoiler: The third one is supposedly going to be set in a nursery after Andy goes off to college, and the kid and the toys all get donated to the nursery. Um, that's the premise. It's an interesting oh, idea. Um, okay. But the thing <laughs> Pixar does that I've noticed is every movie they make is different than all of their other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, for a while, I mean, it was you know, okay, it's about toys, it's about fish, it's about monsters, uh, it's about bugs. And, and cars, and and they've kind of with with the Incredibles, they branched out from that a little bit more, and so we yeah. saw that that furthered in Wally. It's not a movie about a robot. It's not a movie yeah. about superheroes. Right. Um, and none of the other movies were movies strictly about that. Mm-hmm. But it was it was this kind of pushing each step, and and with like their their newest film that's been announced is called Up, and it's about from what I've I've heard, I've just got bits and pieces. It's about a guy who attaches a bunch of balloons to his house and flies around the world. <laughs> Cool. And, and so, and so, these are these are these things that, that, as you said, Pixar makes original movies. Yeah, they make not just original. It's not a sequel, but an original in that it is a movie about something else. Yeah, it's a very different film. And yet, and yet they manage. And mm-hmm. at the same time, they manage to keep it appealing to all generations. Yes. That, that's that's another hallmark mm-hmm. of their films. Is they're not just kids' movies. They're yeah, not they're just adult movies. Yeah. They're extremely mm-hmm. intelligent and uh, and I you know brilliant writing. I don't know how they they keep balancing. You know the 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 kid. Appeal with the uh, adult yeah. appeal. It's, well, it's just I mean, incredible. they do have they do have lower moments. Cars and Ratatouille. Um, uh, I like Ratatouille. I like yeah, Ratatouille, I, but Ratatouille but was it good. was it was one of those like I as I was listing off Pixar movies, I forgot Ratatouille. Yeah, right. I right. mean, that's that sort of thing. it was a good film. Yeah, it was not Pixar's best, and and no. and so you still you do still have these moments of of good movies, but not not Great. Pixar level movies yeah. to to coin exactly. a phrase. Uh, how do we get on the Pixar subject? Unnatural, Toy Story 3 sequels. I have no idea. Yeah, I did. What was your take on the question? When I asked you the question, you had a very... Is Man Unnatural? You had a very different take on it. What I was oh, talking about. Oh, um, yeah, I had... Um, when I first heard it, I, I thought of it as more of a, of a kind of a... Um, for some reason, I associated it with the whole original sin thing. Um, you know, mm. sort of like a... Of a you know, is, is man's... Or, or what is are man's tendencies natural uh, or unnatural? You know, more, oh, more of like man's approach to, um, to the world. 
um, you know, like, are we are we born with um, the ability to, to make ethical choices, or you know, are we yeah. do we do we naturally tend toward evil or good, or are we sort of kind of in the middle and we're molded by our environment, yeah. uh, sort of a thing? Well, you know, um, when you when you first uh, stated the question at the beginning, I, I had. I had the philosopher's impulse, right? Sure. Said, well, it depends on what you mean by natural. <laughs> I, I had two thoughts about what natural might mean. Uh, there's natural as opposed nature as opposed to culture, right? Which uh, is the ancient Greek distinction. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Or so natural as opposed to artificial, and then there's natural as opposed to supernatural, mm. which is the sort of Christian and post-Christian okay. way of thinking about it. But this is even a third one. It's like natural as opposed to perverted or something yeah. natural as opposed to cursed or yeah, yeah. like uh, naturally fallen or something I mean, and that would that would be more more a question of, of what is man's nature so yeah. that's, that's probably how I associated the two but I, I'm, I'm curious about that too um, go go a little bit more into the the whole um, the Greek uh, conception of things and uh, kind of expound on that a bit yeah sort of a um uh, it's the distinction between physis and nomos, I think. Physis is nature. Uh, comes from the verb for to grow. So it's you know, stuff that grows by itself. And nomos, sometimes translated law, but so it stands for you know, human society uh, as standing apart from what grows by itself out there. Now, it seems to me if you, if you, if you have that kind of distinction in mind, then... Is man natural? Well, yeah, man's one of those things that grows out there naturally. Right? <laughs> yeah. But what he does is, by definition, nomos is culture. So mm. what he does is not natural, right? So that's the artificial versus natural distinction. That's kind of boring, right? Once you once you make that <laughs> distinction, that's okay. The answer is obvious and it's boring. The supernatural versus natural. This is. Um, yeah, are we supernatural? Well, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, kind of, kind of not clear, right? I mean, if dualism is true, uh, that is to say, if a human being is made up of a physical body and a non-physical mind or soul or something like that, you could plausibly say that non-physical stuff is supernatural. Yeah. In which case, we are. You know, I, I had a friend who used to get nuts when people would say that some food or some product was all natural. He would say, "What does that mean? There's no demons in it." Yeah, well, that's, that's why I was, all the elements I are natural elements. The wallet. My, my, my wallet is USDA organic. Show it to the camera. Yeah. Show it for anybody. Uh, I want to check out. Is anyone watching us on Stickam? No, no, still no. no. <laughs> USDA organic. Yeah. It's also on my stapler. <laughs> I, I got a bunch you of these organic stickers. Yes. Well, Dude, I have a sticker extra. that I put because I, I got a bunch of these stickers. Uh, there was a drink that no longer exists, or at least I can't find it anymore, called Steez, S-T-E-A-Z, hmm. um, which was a, a carbonated tea beverage um, that came in these little <laughs> bottles. And it, it had these stickers on them, and they were glass bottles, so Never I would... They sold it here in Sam's place for about a semester, and that's where I found it. Started Sorry, breaking. I missed it. it. Yeah. Uh, there was like raspberry, there was an orange, there was a lime, and a grape flavored. It's the weirdest thing I've heard of since celery. You ever heard of celery? I've not heard of celery. Celery? Yeah, it's a celery flavored soda pop that they have. That would in be New weird. York City. Wow. And some I, people love it. I, and I, I just don't understand that. <laughs> but what well, Steve's uh, had these little stickers on them. It was a glass bottle, so they were really easy to peel off. And I like peeling things off bottles, so I would drink one. 
and I'd peel it off and stick it, on, and stick it on something else that was nearby. Um, my other set of headsets has one. Passersby. <laughs> I, I mean, so, so I own a number of things that, that now have... <laughs> So I don't have a number, number of things that, that claim to be USD organic because I got a sticker that says so. Yep. <laughs> hey, good enough for me. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, it's it's all natural. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, uh, so yes, yeah, so, uh, that's assuming dualism, though. Going going back to what you said, right? If, so if but that means that, that that question then becomes is man natural becomes one of the sort of perennial philosophical questions. Yeah, that, exactly. Um, which, which is nice. I mean. It's, and you, you and came I up have with nothing that. useful I just, to say about it. We could we could go a lot of directions with dualism. <laughs> we actually we actually have talked about it on the show. I before. challenge you to a duel uh, of isms. <laughs> no, just a duel. I'm just going to go out back and shoot you. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> dual. That's dual with an e though, not with an a. I don't know how to spell. <laughs> I'm an American. Homonyms <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> for the win. <laughs> but but anyway, uh, so assuming assuming then that we we take it to be um, the philosophical direction, um, yeah, I mean, there's really nothing you, you can say about that. <laughs> at least not at, not in the time of the show that we have. Yeah, it's just sort of um, not my shtick. I'm well, I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering. Area. Okay, you you said earlier that um, we have an obligation toward individuals. Certainly, do we have an obligation toward the natural environment? Yeah, you know, I, I, I guess I'm not allowed to do ethics anymore. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I put a stop to that. But uh, my impulse is to say that, you know, maybe we have obligations to the environment or to species or something like that. But if we do, it's got to be reducible to obligations to individuals. If no individual is harmed, then... Screw it. <laughs> so, you know, if we cut down all the forests and it made no difference to all the animal species on the planet, well, all right, too bad for the forests. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not the case. What if, right. trees, what if trees have brains? They hide um, them well. I'm pretty sure they do not have that actually. That actually came up in a class recently. Um, there are those going, who think plants are conscious. Without going into, yeah, I think no, they're wrong. Well, we, yeah. the class is, is a class where um, we spend a lot of time outdoors. And uh, most of the students have a, a, a spot out here at Texas Tech that is outdoors that they write about. Um, they go to when they write. Um, and uh, a Student, I'm not. I'm not passing judgment because I think he listens to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, and he, he he's he's a very intelligent person. And so when he, he said that he he said something along the lines of, of of the tree thought this or something, and it was it was a very strange moment to me because I wanted to go. It's a tree. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. you know, people used to say, "Well, it's just a dog." So true. No. True. Uh, that. Yes, uh, and well, okay, but you can draw a line though. Dogs have brains. Trees do not. Yeah, so, I think so we've, we've learned a lot about how thought occurs and mm-hmm. what this underlying material structure has to be. And trees ain't got it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, personally, I I'm, I am a a reductive physicalist when it comes. To to philosophy of mind, which means that basically I believe that the the brain is the mind. Um, so for something to to think, um, it must have a brain. <laughs> and um, hmm. so, no, I'm not going to do that. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> no, please, uh, no, please. Say, so if you if you've got uh, say money on your mind, does that mean you have money on your brain? 
If we opened your skull, we could find money in there? <laughs> nah, it's, yeah, it's well, just that's that's I'm, just going, I'm just going to equivocation here. We're that's just, you know, using... Thing. Yeah, I know. That's, that's I a, love language. That's, that's a cheap that's, trick, but yeah. I'm a writer, for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a philosopher, so I know where you're going. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I know what the trick is there. Um, trick is yes. <laughs> <laughs> Want to see? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where's Siler when you need him? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> here, let's take a look. <laughs> Supposedly, originally, he was actually supposed to eat the brains, um, but like, but like, there was this because because they saw the other the skull. <laughs> well, well, no, it was one of these things that um, like the audience like had this huge reaction. Like he eats brains, that's disgusting. Whatever. Oh, I thought it was great. I, I thought it was the greatest I it villain been cool. thing ever. But. Um, but so so like when they actually do see him for the first time doing the, his brain thing with uh, Claire on Heroes. Sorry, I'm such yeah. a nerd. Um, uh, it's a good show. Um, so we actually see him doing it. and He's digging around in her skull, and she's of course still alive during this conversation. Right. They're having a conversation. She's so hard while to kill, he's, yeah, because while he's she, she's, her brain. she's the immortal, yeah. And she's going, "Are you going to eat my brains?" Like, don't be gross. <laughs> and so they changed it. Um, and so I was then like, "Well, where did the, bra- the other brains? Where go? are the other brains? <laughs> like, what? What did he?" Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I think laboratory. <laughs> he has he has them like uh, in a vat somewhere. And he just has yeah. a bunch of everybody's right. brains plugged into a Macintosh. <laughs> that's what it is. They're at the end of the season. They're going to find a computer in um, in like his his old apartment or something or whatever that that has like all the personalities of the people he's killed. And, and they think they're still alive. And they think they're still alive. And, and they've been they've been living in kind of this fantasy world that he created. That's probably some superpower they can do. I like it. Exactly. Um, what a that's twist! A, now that's a whole. Yeah, what these means? <laughs> Written by M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> now, if, if um, gosh, <laughs> that's a whole other subject entirely. The whole brain and vat thing. Ooh, yeah. Um, and, and really, what what is it? What is the conclusion of the whole brain and vat scenario? The, basically, for for any of y'all who haven't heard it, it's like, well, how do we like know me. that we're not just a brain sitting in a vat hooked up to a bunch of uh, stimulus um, connections? And you know, what, what, how the do we matrix. know we're how do we know we're not in the matrix? Basically, and the response is, <laughs> I don't know. I, I say we don't, but who cares? Well, we we, we inhabit this world. Can we know? It? I mean, it's an epistemological question. Like, can we know it's that a, or not? Yeah, it's a skeptical scenario, and yeah. you can cook up skeptical scenarios. And the question is, what force do they have? The skeptics will say, "Well, it proves we don't know," uh, and other people will say, "Well, it proves no damn such thing," because <laughs> <laughs> we know all kind of stuff. And if we know stuff and we couldn't know it in that scenario, then that scenario is not true. So we, we know do, that that's we know not stuff. true. Oh, but that's, okay, but that's, that's assuming the conclusion, though, which is that we, we do know stuff. Well, you start from some premise or other. Take uh, G.E. Moore's answer to that's the skeptical okay, yeah, question. This, this right? is he the G.E. Moore shift. He says, yeah. uh, you know, you say uh, you, you might be a brain in a vat, or you might be dreaming, or you might be in the Matrix or whatever, in which case you don't have hands. And he says, well, look, I can prove it. Here's a hand. Here's another one. And somebody says, "Well, you're assuming." Well, yeah, yes. you, you got to start from to. somewhere. I mean, in the other scenario, it's more whatever premises you're going to use for your skeptical argument. It's more certain to me that I have a hand than that those premises are true. Because that's kind of a nice. Yeah, I like that. Because because I have hands. Everybody, yeah, right. You got to start from some premises. You can't prove everything. Or you'd never get started. So. That's true. So the, the, also goes, place. it also goes back to Girdle's incompleteness theorem. You, you can't. Damn. <laughs> Doesn't continue. It? It's, the, it's the uh, the whole um, axiom loop thing. Like you can't you can't have any. Um, 
like every every system of axioms is like self-supporting or something. You you can't you have to have one of those starting points. Like you can't you cannot have a a complete theorem um, without some sort of like a, a foundational starting point. I, I forget exactly how he formulates it, I, and I want to no, look no. it. Up, I want to look it up on Wikipedia. Now, I, 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 I want to say geometry. I thought it was more specific than that. Right? It probably. I think it refers specifically to mathematics. Right. Theorems. Any axiom system that is strong enough to entail all the theorems of mathematics will be inconsistent. Yeah. Sure. My last that, that class was there must be mathematical right. truths that are not provable. That's, right. Yeah. So, yeah, and I, words, could, I could work with that. In other words, yeah. brute fact mathematical truths. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so, it's, so I yeah, guess the relation to it's implications of, is, of all that are, but it's you know it's, it's kind of creepy. Kind of <laughs> right. How can that be? Yeah. If anything's axiomatic, it's math, right? Well, apparently not. No. <laughs> and, uh, and and so it gets it gets back to I think that that skeptical argument though. I mean, it's like you, mm. that's the thing. You have to start from some sort of assumption. Yeah. Um, this is this is the kind of thing that has led some people to believe that uh, knowledge can't be based on some sort of set of foundational. Things too that knowledge cannot be objective. Well, it can be objective. Uh, well, it depends on what you mean by objective. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That move doesn't, again doesn't it always? Yeah. Uh, see, <laughs> it depends. If it, objective means sort of mind independent, yeah, then the thing the there is an external world. You know, yes, Virginia, there is an external world, and it is the way it is regardless of what you think of it. So the, then the question is, do I know how it is? Well, that's the question of whether you're beliefs match the way the world is in some sense. And, yeah. and can you know if your beliefs match the way the world is? It's another, that's a further problem. Yeah, I mean, but, I uh, think you can. But Yeah, I mean, actually I think it's, it's fairly easy if you, uh, if, you, if you can know anything, then you can come to know that you know it. You may not automatically know that you know it, but you can come to know that you know it just mm-hmm. by reflection and things like that. Reflection on uh, on the methods of gaining knowledge and all that, but but the idea some people have thought it's obvious that there have to be a set of sort of privileged beliefs that are the foundation that are self-evident or something like that, and, and that everything else is built on them. Like the cogito. Yeah, I, I think therefore I am. Exactly. So. That was that was Descartes' project. Yeah, to find out what the foundation was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some people have thought this kind of uh, uh, incompleteness result. Uh, means that really all we can do is try to make the beliefs we have fit together as nicely as possible. And there isn't any sort of foundation. It's just a matter of you start with what you've got and you try to add to it in such a way that you don't screw up the coherence of the set. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, and that's, so, that's so the as best long as you, you stay do. consistent, you're good? Well... <laughs> If you started with a good set, yeah, yeah I mean, I you, mean, you can be, have war and peace penalties. could be consistent and and, and not wrong. true, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But if you, I you mean, know. having an internal consistency doesn't necessarily does not entail truth. Yeah, no, right. No. It right. Does, but it may uh, a certain strong kind of coherence may um, be good enough for justification. Hmm. So because mm-hmm. believed all the things about war and peace, and it was consistent, and nothing sort of came along to upset that. You might well be rational to believe those things. You're justified in believing them. Right. Well, it's just just sort Probably of not. like uh, <laughs> well, oh, no, no. This is, this is kind of it gets into the religious question, though. I mean, if, oh, if, you, have, if, if you have if you have um, if like you believe if you believe everything, um, say in a, in a certain set of scriptures, and it's all consistent, and you know nothing nothing comes up to upset it or, or contradict it, you're justified in believing it. But yeah. even though somebody else has a another completely different. Internally consistent. Set of beliefs, yeah. right? That's inconsistent with yours. 
They could be rational. You could be rational. Well, there is, might be no way for the outside party to figure out which one is right, if either. Ah, uh, yeah. And still, they're both they're both they might rational both be rational. And in fact, it might even be the case that one of them is right. It might be, even though there may be no way we could settle that. Yeah, one of them might have it right. It, it seems like you should be able to make some sort of a comparative judgment, though. I mean, if there, if, if say one system is <laughs> is smaller than the other, or has you know a smaller set of facts, or maybe does not describe a system in as, as great a detail, or doesn't, I, I'm, I'm thinking yeah, there may be there may be uh, 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 my dissertation director uh, William Alston um, coined this idea of, of uh, significant self-support. Hmm. Okay, so you know a self-supporting system. That's circularity. We all realize that's no. Yeah, that's easy. Right. Any, you can get any system to support itself. A rock is a rock is a to rock. To stop contradicting itself, you know, that's fairly easy. But if part of this, if the system is so rich that part of the system explains why the rest of the system is coherent, so you have among the beliefs uh, yeah. beliefs that explain why it's coherent, and also beliefs that predict what future additions to the system will be, and does it with some accuracy. Now it's still circular in some sense. It's still uh, you know self-supporting in a way that you know you're not be able you won't be able to prove from the outside that it's true. But you might say, look, a system that does that is better than one that doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and I think this this is the And he thinks that he thinks that the Christian uh, uh, Christian doctrine has developed through the ages has that feature. Uh, see, that's a further question. That's a factual question. Whether it in fact does exactly, but. and I was I was reminded, or or this this scenario you're describing reminded me of, of sort of the battle between the scientific construction and uh, any particular religious construction as well. Um, that that there, it seems to me that that science has more um, testable. Um, Laws or testable uh, truths, and makes more predictions about the future, accurate predictions, yeah. than does um, any particular religion. Yeah. Um, now, yeah. granted, now granted, they they seem to describe very different realms of uh, of the universe of reality. However, where they do overlap, science seems to have the upper hand, or you know, to be the more coherent system, to be the more fleshed out, um, as as you were describing. So. Uh, and does it not place some sort of a of, of a burden on the the religious believer or the believer of of the lesser system in this case to re-examine his own system? I'm inclined to think so, but that's actually uh, a controversial question. Mm. What exactly? What force does the, my awareness of a, another guy that's equally rational but different from me? Yes. What, what burden does that put on me? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm inclined to think that it it does put a burden on me. It lowers my uh, degree of justification for my beliefs. Because I'm thinking, here's a guy that's just like me in every way that matters, except that he happens to have been born in India. Yeah. So his belief system is very different from mine. He's just as justified as I am. So I want to say, step back for, for a minute. If I were a third party, I couldn't decide between them. Mm -hmm. That ought to raise some doubts for both of them. Maybe it's not enough to completely wipe out their justification. So but it's, it's not like it, it would definitely, or but it probably definitely cause question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and I, you know, I, I have a beef with um, with the world about this. I think a lot of people <laughs> look at that situation and go, "Well, I know I'm right, and I don't need to. I don't need change. You know, I don't need to." <laughs> well, this uh, is yeah. I mean, this is sort of the other view. Uh, the, a, a guy named Alvin Plantinga, who is uh, a yeah. big, big shot in philosophy of religion. 
uh, wrote a book about uh, this very topic um, called Warranted Christian Belief. And he says, well, look, if you've got uh, something that, that is good evidence for your belief system, that makes it rational for you to believe those things, the fact that somebody else believes something else doesn't take that away. That's still there. Hmm. And so he says, uh, you know, you, you're entitled to say, I'm right, and the other guy's wrong. Uh, I think that's a little too strong, but I mean, there's something to that. There's something to that idea that whatever it was that was supporting your beliefs is still there. Mm. Uh, and I think he, he wants to say, he doesn't think this is necessary, in fact, but he wants to say, in fact, we can explain why other people believe different things and yet are wrong, too. Part of our story, it's part of that that significant Which self-support thing. A lot. Yeah. yeah, is that we know we can. Uh, part of our story is why other people have the wrong beliefs, mm-hmm. and so it almost uh, seems convenient. It's it does. Real freaking convenient. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've I've noticed that in so in certain things, it's like, well, we we can explain that. We we uh, have an answer for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, it's, it just it seems like there there's some objective. There's some objective background, or there has to be some sort of objectivity in, in this. Um, yeah, like, there has you, to be. It, it, Otherwise, it's, it's boring, right? I know. I mean, if it's, I, if I mean, it's if all you, just a matter of taste, who cares? <laughs> I know. And and it, does does Plantinga go into that at all? Um, do you know, propose some sort of maybe objective way of comparing two religious beliefs or two belief systems, period? No. no. Uh, but see, part of the problem is they're, they're um, sort of autonomous. They're... they're uh, that you know, the share, we share uh, a physical world, but, but once you start talking about other stuff that's not physical, there's just no, yeah. uh, there's no, there's no um, framework in which they're both embedded, which they both have to respect. So there's right. there is no perspective from which to evaluate them both. There's only the internal perspective. So, what resources I have for thinking I'm right are internal to my tradition. The other guy doesn't have that. And that's why he's wrong. But he can he say has, exactly the own, same thing. He has his yeah. very own he, internal traditions that cause and him to be right. And so yeah. he's rational to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everybody's rational, but nobody's somebody's, wrong. somebody's wrong. Nobody's wrong. <laughs> Maybe everybody. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's, yeah. the, that's and the that's, thing. That's a possibility. You know, one of, one of my dear friends from graduate school, was, uh, John Hawthorne, was here to give a talk, a couple of talks, uh, a while back. And uh, he's one of the smartest people I've ever met. He's just uh, a, I was I was there as well. He was fantastic. <laughs> and he, he developed this idea of the sort of the tragedy of our epistemic situation. It may just be the case that some things are undecidable, and we just have to suck it up and live with it. And it makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah, but there's, there's certainly, I mean, some some valid thought in that. Yeah. I don't know. I think. I think. Just but I a, want to find out. At the yeah. base, we we, we sort of give up and say it's yeah. undecidable too soon, right? Try. <laughs> it's awfully. I, I think. Uh, gosh, I think a lot of philosophers would have a problem with that. I mean, yeah. it, we certainly. I, I think. I'm extremely from, uncomfortable with it. Even oh, it I think seems, he argues for it really well. It seems so intuitive um, that there is some sort of objective truth out there. That's the, there are things that are right. And you can know them that they are right, and that's the end of the I mean, story. It, it goes back but to, to a, a thing that my, I'm, my very first engineering professor ever told me um, about you know about kind of about the world. He, he started class with a cup of coffee in his hand every day. First day of class, he says, "Now, if I drop this cup of coffee, will something happen?" 
Can you guess what that will be? <laughs> Why do you think this? And and you know, it's, yeah. it's a big question. But but that that leads to this idea that there. That, that inherent need for an objective truth because yeah. when you drop your coffee cup it will fall and spill on the floor and it's really hard to argue against that yeah right, right, it's, right. it's really hard for the one guy in the back to go um well it's possible that like all of the all of the electrons could like simultaneously tunnel to like the other side of the room and you know like your coffee would would just like go to you know space or something you know and, and then you say well let's test it yeah and yeah you well, drop the cup of coffee. Well, i would see. say you want to put money on that <laughs> yeah, exactly. um it's highly unlikely but it's possible yeah. you well, know an idiot would bet money on that <laughs> and, and, then, and now we have sort of like a uh, a probabilistic Truth, you know. Well, okay, we know one thing to. Well, another. I want to make a sharp distinction okay, between right. truth and knowledge. All right. So the okay. truth is not probable. Well, I guess if the quantum theorists are right, it is probabilistic. <laughs> yeah. But the the world is the way it is, and it doesn't. It's not waiting for us to make any decisions, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's truth. Okay. You know, the poor T word is getting a lot of abuse. I'm sure <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, some people will say truth with a capital T. It doesn't matter. You it's don't need to capitalize it's truth. it. It's truth. Truth is truth is truth. Yeah. If you try to deny that there is such a thing, I think you get into self-referential incoherence immediately. So if you say there is no truth, I want to say, is that true? Is that, <laughs> is that how the world is? That there is no way the world is? Uh, no, you can't do that. Yeah. But uh, So some people want to go from our knowledge is indeterminate to there is no truth. That's a mistake. That's that's a, that's yeah. that's an easy jump to make, though. Yeah, it seems natural. Other people want to go the other way. They want to say, "Well, look, there is an, an absolute truth, so we can know it with certainty." I think that's a mistake too. Okay, so you, so you think we can try? We can try. That's the best. Cons- we may even be able to know some of it with certainty, but not all of it. Okay, so so there, you basically put forward two possibilities: either there is an objective truth that we can know with absolute certainty or or well okay there, there, are, there are really four possi- wrong thank you for playing there are really there are really four possibilities objective truth yes um, can determine with absolute certainty yes or no and no like objective no objective truth and like we can determine that with absolute certainty or no yeah, yeah so good. kind of four four, four different scenarios um I'd love to go through all four of them, but we're here. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can eliminate the no truth side immediately. Okay. For the reasons I just gave. Right? Yeah. All right. Is, so really, is that, that, that brings <laughs> us down to, to two possibilities. There's an objective truth. We can know it with absolute certainty, or we can't know it with absolute certainty. Right. Which which side do you fall down on, Doctor Webb? Uh, we'll I, go through each of us here. So. I'm I'm incl- I'm inclined to think we can't know it. We can't know anything with absolute certainty. There is no absolute certainty. Okay. But it doesn't mean we can't know stuff. That's a position called fallibilism. All right. And that's where I sit. Um, and Kevin? I'm certain it's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm not far from that. I, there's, there's definitely an objective truth out there. Um, I don't think we can know it certainly. I don't, I, I don't think there's a certain knowledge that we can achieve um, just just because... You know, human error. I mean, that's that's a big thing of it, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's um, fallibilism. It's, it's too. fallibilism. Okay. And yeah. but, as you say, we can know things. We can get what what one of my professors calls pretty good knowledge. Yeah. You know, we can know how to fix a broken leg. We can know what happens when a coffee cup falls. Yeah, we can with get really pretty close good to with pretty good knowledge. And and so I'm definitely in favor of going out and trying to find that pretty good knowledge. Yeah. See, and my my position is sort of like that, but it, it gets a 
I, you know, now this is reminding me. This issue came up at a lunch discussion two years ago. We actually got into this very <laughs> same, and I brought, and I got to the same point in my mind. It got me thinking about the idea of a limit in mathematics. Um, the the idea of, of approaching something so close that you might as well be there. Sure. And um, yeah. so my so my question is, could you have sort of an in between sort of a thing where you have no nothing can be determined with absolute certainty, which would be like getting to infinity um, or you know a, mm. approaching a, a limit or getting to a limit, but you can have enough certainty that it's almost as if you had absolute certainty. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think mm. a lot of mathematical truth and simple logical truth are like that. Right. Yes. I mean, we could, just because we're the kind of beings that screw up when we, you know... Do things. I can't even mess up 2 plus 2 is 4. <laughs> I don't think I ever have, but I, okay. I could. Right. It's got that potential, yeah. But those things, day. I think, are so close to certain that we we might as well call them certain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's an old uh, parable joke, whatever you want to call it, I heard. Um, you know, two people, a mathematician and an engineer. Are, are put in this room, so, you know, are put on a football field, 100 yards away, um, is a beautiful feast, they haven't eaten in three days, uh, they're starving, they're, they can't wait to do it. And they say, every hour, we're going to move you half the distance <laughs> to the table. Yep. And the mathematician's like, no, no, I'm never going to, you know, we're going to die here, it's going to be horrible. Um, whereas, you know, the, the engineer gets all excited, and he's like, why, why are you so excited? You know, we're never going to get there. And he goes, yeah, but we're going to get close enough to count. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's right. We're, we're going to get close enough to arm's length. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get within arm's length. <laughs> we'll get um, close enough for practical purposes. Exactly. And then that's really the thing is is it's a practical matter. Like if we mm-hmm. if we take the position that oh, okay, you can't know anything with absolute certainty, you might be tempted to go. Well, then we can't know anything, or we shouldn't we shouldn't try. Right. You know, and I think that's the mistake a lot of skeptics or skeptics in general make. Exactly. We can't know with certainty, so we can't know it any to any practical can, degree. But the counter is we can know it to a practical degree. We can know mm-hmm. it certain enough that we can, you know, run our, run our normal lives. We can know stuff. We can do science. We can make predictions that, that hold up you sure. know, a good percentage of the time. And, yeah. Um, we kind of so we kind of have to approach that the world with that idea that there's truth out there and we can know it well enough that we can work with the world. Absolutely. All right. I, I believe that to be I think true. We've degenerated. <laughs> I, I believe. I yes. believe that, does that, and that's a that's a prediction of of an unnatural, unnatural <laughs> right there. Um, well, we'll go ahead and wrap this uh, episode up. Uh, this bad philosophy. Next week, we'll hopefully be. Back here once again. Um, I can't with authorization, <laughs> with authorization, and hopefully with, with working equipment, <laughs> with Matt Legler as well, and headsets for all these lovely gentlemen, rather than having to to deal with uh, one microphone. And uh, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully, next time you'll actually watch uh, when we broadcast on Stickam. <clears throat> please, please, Hi, please watch us because we all look really good. My mother would watch me, but she's working right now. Yeah, she, she always like I Twitter. Okay. And she goes, I'm, "I'm at the library, folks." I can't watch. We've recorded the episode on Stickam. We'll have the link up on the website so you can watch it later and see it as if you were watching it live. Um, totally unedited, unscripted. Um, kind of like TLC. You'll but be able to tell it's unscripted. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so, Dr. Webb, thank you for being here once again. Thank you um, for having me. Kevin Saunders, don't need to thank you. It's your job to be here. You couldn't push me away with a big stick. <laughs> exactly. And we'll see you next time here on Bad Philosophy.
Badphilosophy.com. Duh.